Welcome back, everyone. This is Zach. I am your host for EM Weekly, and this week I am joined uh, by Doug Bruce. Doug, hello. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm very happy to have you. And the reason I'm happy to have you is because um, so there's been a lot of discussion, uh, particularly on LinkedIn, which I'm a lurker on LinkedIn. Um, in fact, that's where we kind of connected. Sure. Um, yep. We There's been sort of this uh, debate over the last, I don't know, since emergency management uh, was defined as to what an emergency manager is. And uh, recently that debate has sort of been rekindled um, and I've, I've attempted to sort of stir up trouble um, in this discussion. But one of the things that comes up is just how diverse of a sort of profession we are. Like there's all these sort of different um, end goals and, and procedures to get there. And um, one of the things want, that... I think you just won a jackpot. Yeah. My, my soundboard has decided I had a good idea there <laughs> and is highlighting it. If you, if you hear one, rumbling on my end, it's, where the, Austin's undergoing the ice storm right now. So yeah. Got, it, it is, I could hear it all falling off the roof outside. It sounds like there's... Oh, that's great. So we are actually about to have minus 45 degree weather. So in, in pure emergency management fashion, Doug and I are getting dragging through technical difficulties while also enduring uh, natural weather uh, phenomena. So we are truly emergency managers. Where I was trying to go with this long-winded discussion before my weird chimes interrupted me uh, was that there are different emergency management uh, positions out there for almost everyone. And I think as the profession has evolved and, and people have recognized the value of emergency managers, more fields are starting to build their niche emergency manager. Doug has probably one of the I think the most interesting and fun emergency management roles that um, I have found, and uh, I will let him sort of define that, but you're an emergency manager for events, fun stuff, concerts, uh, you know, performances, shows. Uh, how, did, how what, what do you do? Like, it just sounds so awesome. Well, in the, in the day and age that we work in, you know, you know, crisis is not as, as, you know, borderline defined as it used to be. It, it used to sort of be something like a wildfire that was dealt with and managed, you know, natural disaster, yeah. disaster t technology. But now we're sort of living in this world where there's all this potential for, for disaster around us and the convergence. I work for on crisis, I think is what everybody's Yeah, karma crisis or poly crisis, you know, multiple things that have interdependencies coming together at the same time. Uh, I work in the world of live events. So I'm a safety professional. Uh, I consider myself a safety advisor. It falls under areas like security, under safety, uh, under risk management. You know, a lot of it's being on site and working with clients or artists uh, or promoters to make sure their events are, are safe. They have good plans, uh, taking sort of that active risk management step. Uh, a lot of it can be planning and it can be debriefing and doing after action stuff as well. We're gonna take a quick break with some words from our sponsors. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. Instinct Ready Kits are awesome. Compact, fully loaded, and easy to place around your office, school, campus, warehouse, wherever. I keep a quick pack in my vehicle and one at home. Imagine Instinct Ready, fully loaded, stop the bleed kits in every school and office. Get Instinct Ready Kits and training at instinctready.com. But when you say live events, you're talking about some of like the biggest and like coolest events that exist I mean, globally, right? You're, you're not just in the U.S., right? Well, I'm, I'm really fortunate because I get to work on an international scale with a, a bunch of the colleagues I, I, I work with. And, uh, you know, so some of the events may be in the U.K. We've done events in Saudi Arabia, like Formula One. And I spend a lot of my time in the U.S. I live in Austin and we work with promoters that are, have massive events and small events at the same time. Uh, you know, there's risk on every level, whether you're doing 100,000 people or 100. And it's about working with you know, whoever the client is to make sure they've, they've sort of foreseen what can go wrong. And then they take an action to make sure that they have protected their people or their staff or their crowds 
with that appropriate duty of care. And like the staff could be fellow bandmates. It could be, uh, in fact, one of the, when we first sort of like chatted, um, I think we connected on LinkedIn and then yeah. um, I was in New York was City. It, it was New York Comic Con. Yeah, I was in New York City for New York Comic Con. I get a message. Hey, I just saw your New York because I'm one of those people who like, I, I'd much rather, I like posting like landscape stuff. Like if I'm out like doing stuff and I think I took a picture from inside uh, the Comic-Con and I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Like I can't imagine the security apparatus and everything that sort of takes to make this happen. And it was like maybe a couple hours later, I get a message like, hey, uh, you know, I don't, we know, <laughs> I don't know you per se, but I'm actually right down the street from you uh, at the uh, Madison Square Garden for a very large event. And, uh, you know, let's see if we can't connect. Um, but I'd followed, you know, Doberman and others for a long time. I, I think it's really important to be aware of what other emergency managers are doing and to take that first step sometimes and reach out and build your network. And it doesn't always, doesn't always mesh. But. Well, and how do we often meet? Like, you know, it's kind of funny. Like there's, it's all this, like, uh, we are out in the world doing all this stuff. And then like those connections can happen in all sorts of weird ways. This was like this very like funny, just meeting up because you're from Austin. I'm from Northern Vermont. Like I, there's not that many times that we're probably going to accidentally find ourselves in the same city. And it just so happens uh, we did. Now, due to other light circumstances and other disasters going on in my own uh, realm at the time, we weren't able to actually connect. Um, but since then, we've been in touch and we've chatted a bunch of times and it sort of made me much more interested. Um, and so I think for those who uh, like are in the starting process or maybe even interested in, in sort of like shifting, um, you know, uh, from one emergency management field to another, um, how did you get into this world? Like, this seems like a, uh, it's very, it's a great question. Niche. So, so I think let's use the premise of, of New York Comic Con as, uh, you know, as, as a background, which of course I'm not professionally affiliated with, but, you know, I was there, uh, representing a major insurer. They had a sponsorship booth and the, you know, the, um, the reptile, uh, animated, uh, creature that, you know, is sort of their mascot gets up. See if you guys count through the lines there. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I was there running this booth and we're running the promotion and working with the staff and, and doing planning aspects and then deploying trailers and walkthroughs and premiums, giveaways, stuff like that. Uh, which was, you know, one of the things I did in my former life as an emergency or excuse me, as an event producer. And how long ago was that? It was about six years ago. My life in the event world is probably about 15 years long, but it spanned a number of different areas. At some point, maybe around 2006 or so, that, that feeling of polycrisis, of permacrisis just kind of never went away. It felt like every time you turn on the news or open up your, your phone, there's like just something else, right? Uh, and so I went back to school for a master's degree in emergency management. And the academic stuff in the textbook is really important and you have to learn your theory and your history. But I got involved volunteering. I, I tried everything I could. I got involved in ham radio, got involved in local CERT. I became an outreach trainer, you know, went out and shadowed search and rescue teams. All of the stuff and all the skill building that would help with, you know, that entire range of emergency management. Uh, and as I became a safety professional and progressed in my career, the emergency management aspects of what we do, prevention, preparedness, mitigation, and ultimately recovery or, or sort of wrapping up events, uh, you know, is, has been really important. Um, so your path, it's funny. Uh, it's, there seems to be this, like, uh, this, there's like almost three worlds that people come from for emergency management. You have like your public safety realm, which I, I did a lot of volunteer EMS. Uh, I was a, even a deputy sheriff for a little while. Um, there's the like now sort of like purist emergency manager. Those are the folks I think like I would define as like coming sort of straight through the academic world and then um, coming out, uh, you know, sort of credentialed or, or you know, having a, a degree in it, it sort of qualifies them. And then uh, I find more and more people who like were in entertainment of some kind and like event stuff and then find their way in that way. In fact, there was somebody I just saw on LinkedIn and uh, hopefully they're listening and can point out, but uh, they were describing how uh, in their LinkedIn profile, because they took a look at mine and, you know, it's like when dogs are sniffing each other's butts, like, who are you? Who are you? Are we friends? And so we're looking at, you know, he's, he's looking at mine, I'm looking at his. And uh, at the bottom of it was like, 
theater production and then uh, FAO Schwartz uh, soldier, like the dressed up soldier. And I was like, oh, we've all sort of like, you know, like this, this entertainment world sort of like seems to be where a lot of people start. Um, and then we end up in crisis, which I guess if like anyone who's sort of worked in entertainment, it feels like it's a constant crisis anyway. Well, it's, it could, crisis is one word. I think the other side of it is you've kind of got this, this parallel, these dynamic situations, they're always changing. You're working with different people, different resources coming in, coming out. So it's, it, you know, I, I couldn't say it's the same thing, but that skill set where you're sort of never in a, in a static place that event producers for better or for worse, find themselves in applies well. And then on, on the sort of macro level, organizing resources and housing and, and taking care of people on mass scale is absolutely an emergency management skill set. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the weird entertainment skills that I've had and I've gained, you know, knowing what gaff tape is and knowing how to drive and work. Emergency managers would love gaff tape. It's the greatest thing ever. You can do everything with it. Well, and some of the INTs now deploy with it. Yeah. That, you know, that, that was an example of someone was like, what is this? And it's like, I've got a box. My garage, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I know that you with, you know, we have similar video production yeah. backgrounds and stuff. We, you would know what that is. So that's just an example. The skill set's broadly applicable. So that's not to devalue the first responder experience or the military experience that people come into emergency management with. If anything, we just add flavor to that. Yeah. And I think maybe, uh, oh, it's stinging me again. Uh, you want another deck thought. I'm about to have a great idea. Everyone pay attention. This is going to be good. Uh, the emergency, like, especially sort of like uh, people who come from the event side, like you are often uh, just putting out lots of fires and you have to be very uh, quick on your feet and resourceful. And uh, that's why I like gaffer's tape. Like this is almost like the perfect example. Like your gaffer's tape is uh, you can um, tie down, you know, your devices. You can... Um, like literally you could hang cameras with it. You can, uh, you know, uh, hide stuff with it. It, it's safe. You know, you can tape down all of your wires and everything with it. It's just a super, uh, useful, uh, tape that you can do everything with. And that's like almost a, uh, skill set in itself that we want for emergency managers. But like, I think you're just like such a generalist and you have to sort of, especially for folks who are not working in massive productions to start with, right? Like it might be a handful of people, and, you know, if the if the scaffolding falls, like you need to know how to put that back up. And if the light fails, you need to know how to like replace the bulb or put the the gobos in there and all the other stuff that like, you know, people have to do in the event. And then for, well, it, you know, emergency managers have to sometimes do a lot. Yeah. Now, right. Yeah. You know, because you take these small shops, you know, these one man band, which is like 90 yeah. percent of them, probably like most, huge most portion, right. Yeah. They're underfunded. They're working long hours. You know, there are uh, many counties that have one or two people. So, that you know, those folks have to master a lot of skills. And and I, I wouldn't directly compare that to somebody who, you know, works in the arts, but I, I can see parallels. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and actually, you know, like, so we know sort of how you got to where you are. Um, I guess, you know, uh, how is that field evolving? Because I imagine, like, uh, you know, there's there's been some really significant um events that have occurred probably over the last i mean like really the last 20 years we've just had so many like large event you know tragedies and of course historically there's been lots more but i feel like the focus probably mostly because of like social media and stuff so there was the uh uh the travis scott concerts probably like one of the most recent ones that sort of like pops up in people's heads where they had the crushing incident um there's uh, events like the the uh, route 91 uh mass shooting there's there's events like um, I'm trying to think of there's the, one of the, the things that, uh, so I was a higher ed emergency manager. I had to do a lot of event emergency management stuff, like a lot of pre-planning, a lot of sort of coordination. Um, and as I was discovering this, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know this world sort of existed. And like, you know, uh, I think for a lot of emergency managers, when they're thinking about events, they're thinking of it like almost from the outside, like, what do I do if that event goes south? Um, but, uh, the skill sets and the knowledge that you have as an event safety person um, are actually like super valuable in the inverse, like you helping them uh, from the, you know, something goes south as well as- sure, That's interesting, you know, kind of lead up to like what you guys did, right? Yeah. Like you have your, you guys recently held a, a tabletop interactive- We did. Uh, you know, I think in our, one of our previous research discussions, we sort of talked about the idea that, you know, event professionals are doing everything they can or should be to prevent, you know, something like, uh, you know, uh, 
a mass casualty event. But in the event that something goes wrong and it becomes an emergency management issue for the authorities that have jurisdiction, you know, the skill sets that you guys are helping build is really important. Yeah, I just I don't think uh, I, I think there's like a disconnect out there uh, when it comes to understanding emergency managers roles and events. So, for instance, um, you know, like we were talking about, a lot of shops are, are very small, like their version of planning for a large event may be like a handshake or a phone discussion like, hey, uh, if you need my help, call me. Uh, let's hope nothing bad happens. Um, maybe describe like how your position, you know, interacts and maybe like the things that you're thinking about that like the emergency managers who are on the outside and watching it, you know, maybe aren't even aware of or should be aware of, um, you know, that you're doing and then information that you could provide them in the event of an emergency or even just pre-emergency, you know, planning uh, or day of just sort of like keeping that communication going. All right. So the first thing is you want to meet your uh, authorities and your public safety officials and and let them know what kind of planning you have going on. You want to get those permits. You want to put all of your plans in written form. Uh, you know, if, if you're not sure what kind of risks you're facing, uh, you know, talk with them. They're going to be very helpful and they have a lot of knowledge that they can assist with. Is there like a standard... Um, planning, like, are you using like ICS 201s or, or how do you sort of like, how would you, how do you translate that information? Cause I think that's like, sometimes the trouble is like, you know, if you may have a planning structure that you use in the event space, that isn't necessarily there where like that translation either doesn't occur and should occur, or, you know, like they don't have a Doug Bruce there who has an emergency management background, but like how are events sort of like, is there a process that you sort of see a, like that's, uh, again, maybe not standardized, but sort of common? Well, that's a really good question. And so I would say all events have some sort of planning documentation. Hopefully they've got an operations plan that meets, you know, a lot of different criteria um, that satisfies the authorities and, and provides a lot of that information like you'd eventually, you know, want to see in that 201 or uh, into an incident action plan. Some event producers, and I don't want to speak for myself. I mean, I've met a lot of great ones. This goes back to the networking bit. You know, people that are are in charge of stadiums or, you know, run routine mass amounts of people into games, you know, they'll do things like build a an IEP like game day plan. So it's got, you know, weather information and resourcing assignments. You know, it's it's kind of translatable across the board. And you see that evolving now, like just sort of with that whole uh, whatever you want to call it, the polycrisis, permacrisis, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, just this this sort of like feeling like there's threats from all directions all the time. Well, I think the planning process is always evolving. And I think people are getting better about understanding the risks that they might face, unfortunately, because we've lived through them. I think there's definitely a lot of event producers who want to do the right thing and want to, you know, share their information and, and, and put it into a, a, you know, a way that's digestible to authorities or other figures who might, who might need that in the planning process. What about um, for folks that might be listening who are either interested in going straight into the sort of event safety space or, uh, you know, moving from emergency management into that? Are there uh, like qualifications, standards, credentials that they can get that can assist them? I know when we were talking, you have like a very unique, I think, certification uh, in this world. Well, if you want to see things from the perspective of, you know, where event professionals focused on safety start, I, I'd say, I, you know, join the Event Safety Alliance, for example, or the Global Crowd Management Alliance. Uh, those are two organizations that are doing great work putting out, you know, ANSI standards and the Event Safety Guide. You know, you can read that material and, and see how it applies to the events that are either in your jurisdiction or how authorities might look at your event if you're an event producer. So starting there is really important. Another great resource is the Texas A&M Systems TEKS, uh, the extension service. TEKS goes around the country with DHS funded coursework and they do a tremendous job of teaching people how to assess risk and, you know, think about their stakeholders and, you know, start to build those really comprehensive. Yeah, I've taken uh, some courses through NCS4, I believe, which I think is out of it's either Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah. It's Mississippi. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've I, taken I, a lot of their coursework. It's very, it's, it's good. Like it's, I mean, it's, I think it's geared 
if I'm correct, it's more geared towards sort of sports venues and stuff, I think, um, specifically, but um, has also like, I, I was able to use a lot of sort of that skill set in there as well. And like that, I think because it's, that's like driven very much by emergency managers, like it's like maybe a good place to start in that sense. Um, the event- It would be on the public safety side. The coursework yeah. is very much seems to me to be sort of written from the, it's both the public safety perspective and it's also sort of the permit venue kind of perspective. Now that's not to disqualify it. I mean, sure, everything in there can apply to, uh, you know, somebody who might produce a different kind of event uh, and it's probably scalable, but it's it's definitely, in my opinion, has some of that foundation of, you know, mass venues. Yeah. And, you know, again, you sort of think every disaster is local, right? Like a, a an event is essentially like, the microcosm of uh, whatever community it's in. It's going to have diverse populations of people there. There's going to be a lot of different, um, you know, you're going to have essentially all the emergency support functions that you'd have in a real EOC. You're going to have uh, all of the community aspects that you have. And, you know, there's food, there's shelter, there's, uh, you know, sanitation, infrastructure, transportation, like all of this stuff. Weather, I mean, just weather, you know, weather, a high wind action plan, you know, understanding how your structure will be affected by forces, uh, you know, and, and, you know, what actions you need to take at what time. My, so my phone is absolutely blowing up right now. I, so on top you must of have had a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening right now? Uh, again, this is like, I don't know, maybe we're like two black clouds and we should not be in the same, like even uh, virtual space. Uh, they just canceled our school because of the uh, the extreme cold temperatures. We have a a high or I'm getting warnings for uh, the wind chill, as well as uh, everyone now asking what is going on and uh, <laughs> like, what does this mean? And do we need to do anything about this? And then school just got canceled. So uh, I am absolutely blowing up. I'm going to just shut everything up here. I'm a relatively new Apple person and like trying to get all of this to work is like, like new to me, but I really like it. But then like when stuff like this, where I'm like, I think I'm on do not disturb. And I'm like, I've got my iPad here, my phone, my watch. I'm like, you know, this whole environment is starting to drive me nuts. But anyways, uh, yeah. So that's the event management that I'm doing in my life right now is we have my, well, it's, it's a good background for, for an event safety aspect, which is, you know, figuring out those you know, those triggers ahead of time, you know, whether it's, you know, weather or, you know, crowd related issues, you know, figuring out if you get to a, a certain point, a certain direction, how much time will it take to evac your venue? You know, that's how much time plus a safety factor that you need to make a decision, you know, if a storm's coming or there's a threat of lightning. And what about the challenges of that? So like you're in like a I think you specifically, because it's a little bit different if maybe there isn't a Doug Bruce or, or someone in your position at the event, you have to essentially be the middle ground, I would imagine, if like the the city, county, emergency management, you know, public safety, fire chief or whatever is there, they're going to lean into like, please don't destroy our city, please keep it safe. You've got sort of the political side, like a mayor or some other sort of like leadership who are like, well, we have this huge event in our city. We want to like make everyone feel welcome and like not make it feel like it's this like fortress of security and safety. And then you have the event leadership who are like, you know, we want this to run smoothly. We want everyone to have a good time. And if it doesn't go well, uh, you know, we could be out a lot of money. Like if we have to cancel or like whatever, you know, that could cost uh, everyone who's sort of organizing it a lot of money. And then the event doesn't happen, which is the ultimate like failure, right? Like you're not failure, but like the the worst outcome is you have to cancel for some reason. And and now no one's having a good time and all the planning is like either delayed or, or never, it's never going to happen. You know, you got all these sort of like competing interests. How do you balance that? And like, what do you sort of, I guess, how do you how do you just well, like keep everyone happy? The plate spinning, if you will. Gosh, that's a really that. I mean that that, that has a lot of layers. <laughs> I, I think to to rule out you have just cancel them all individually, you beat them. It's a lot of plate smear. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the first thing to to sort of clarify is you know so I'm not necessarily the decision maker. You know, it, sometimes my role is to just help the client come to those decisions in the planning process, or you know realize what considerations they should undertake. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's a rule because situations are dynamic. 
Now, to your question, when you get, you know, competing interests where you might have an economic interest of, you know, of an event producer versus maybe, uh, you know, somebody who, who for, for whatever reason or whoever they represent, you know, have, have a different standard or a different idea of the way they want to do things. Sure. Um, it's, I think it's very much about, you know, being reasonable and figuring out what is the, what is truly the, the safest option. Um, as a, as a reasonable step, but the actual safest thing to do, the, the most, the most safe thing you could do in an event is pack it up and go home and, and, you know, nobody's there to gather because inherently, you know, events have risks, but promoters have undertaken those. And I think they should understand some of those risks, whether it's, it's weather or, you know, other related factors when they, uh, when they invite people into their event. That is something uh, I think that is like uh, an acknowledgement that is fairly new. So I remember, you know, I've I've been to a lot of like sporting events, like growing up um, and concerts. Like my, my, I have a lot of family that are involved in music uh, around New Orleans and stuff. And they go around the country used to get to go to like all sorts of jazz fests around the region and and stuff. And and I don't remember there being an emphasis on safety at a lot of those. It was like almost like just this, uh, like, we're going to do it and hopefully no one gets hurt. Nothing bad happens. Uh, now I'm going to like juxtapose that to some recent events uh, that I've gone to where it is front and center. It is very clear, like, hey, if this happens, here's where to get information. Here's where your nearest exit are. You know, we're hoping nothing bad happens, but, you know, see something, say something. Uh, like people are much more upfront and communicate it. And I feel like it's sort of silly. And I've, I've fought this uh, in my personal, you know, uh, role as an emergency manager working with events is like, it's okay to acknowledge the risk and just let people know if something happens, this is how we're going to communicate with you. And here's what you should do. And sometimes even now I still get some pushback. I'm like, well, then people are going to think you know something is up, right? Like, are you going to scare them and they're, they're maybe not going to want to participate or they're going to be too freaked out to enjoy the event? Well, you know, I've, I've heard this discussed in a number of ways. Um, you know, I have a couple of opinions on it. When you get on an airplane, you know, they always give you the safety briefing at the beginning. And you know that airline safety is generally pretty safe. There are so many layers. There's, there's so much maintenance. There's so much training. There's so much upkeep. Um, there's so much awareness, you know, that actually you're pretty safe on an airplane, but that doesn't mean they don't still give you safety instructions. And I think that sometimes, you know, giving people those resources or telling them where the exits are or, you know, doing that pre-show briefing, whether it's staff or whether it's your audience, you know, still has a very reasonable place. But as you pointed out, there is a balance, you know, whether a touring act, for example, you know, wants to set a mood or like you've walked into a theater and the theater has a certain aesthetic and it's lit a certain way. Those are very conscious decisions that those designers have made. And, you know, they don't want to interrupt that uh, with, you know, perhaps what could be seen as distracted. Yeah. Like the suspension of disbelief is now gone because the reality, although I'll say, so uh, I'll give a good example. We were, when we did one of our trainings, we were in Atlanta and we went to the Atlanta Braves uh, stadium, which is a relatively new, like modern stadium. And their safety video was like, just kind of like built in. And it was of course like the dorkiest thing ever. There's like, you know, 30 of us as emergency managers that went to this baseball game and they start the safety video and we're all like captivated by it. Cause we're like, this is great. Like they're, they're communicating it in a way that like doesn't make it feel like something bad's going to happen, but like people will at least have a basic understanding. Like the ushers are there to help us, and that's where we're going to go, and we're going to just file out. And then they made and a fun. Can be done in a creative way. Yeah, like you know, like, like you've been built in. Yeah, and I, I you notice that it like I think in like uh, you know it's sort of like the Disneyfication of um, emergency management or, or public safety, event safety. Like when you go to Disney World, you don't see all of that, but it's all there. Same with events. Like every, like when I've gone to major events, like (laughs) actually that's not true. Sometimes it's not there and it's the reason you don't feel it there is because there is nothing there. The ones that are really good and well-planned, it's all there. The infrastructure is there should something go awry, but you just don't sort of see it. Um, Well, from the security perspective, I mean, entertainment organizations that have a very high brand standard, sometimes, you know, sort of bake in their security aspects. And 
They do it through design. So you could be walking through a space that's keeping you safe in a number of ways and not even know about it. And, you know, that I think uh, a lot of a lot of organizations take a look at the way that they make an impression, yet they have to have security screening and, and things like that. So, you know, I, the, the, what I uh, and, and to the listener audience, I'm sorry, there's a lag between uh, me and Zach. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, the, no, no. the, um, the movie theaters now, I mean, what, yeah. you know, the last to see a movie theater, they gave you and probably, uh, you know, at the beginning with that intro video, whether you remember it or not or realize it, but it it sort of it builds that that muscle memory a little bit. So I, I don't think it, it it's I'm personally of the opinion that safety can be done well and it can be done in an interesting way. Yeah, I think that that is something all of us like I, uh, you know, there was a period of time, especially like we're we're close enough to New York City that we go for weekend trips like we used to go all the time. And I just remember for like a long time they had a, I think they called them Hercules teams, which are like it's NYPD. I think they're like ESU and they're all like literally they're in their full battle rattle, like walking around. All of a sudden there's like cruisers everywhere and there's nothing happening. But it's like this this supposed to be this like presentation of like security and authority and we're there like a show of force yeah just a giant show of force you know and just let everyone know like don't mess with us and i think we got so used to that after 9 11 and like i think it a it doesn't really i don't think work that well anymore because we're like kind of numb to it and um and it also is like just making a society that is just constantly anxious about like something happening and I think I feel like uh, this is a debate that I've had it with some events where, you know, we had people who were like, well, we need to have like fully armed, kitted up, you know, police officers present to just send the message, don't mess with us. And it was like, will that actually prevent anything? I mean, that's a response thing. It's too late at that point. Like you're better off. Well, there, like, there's another number of things, right? There's there's building barriers, there's deterring, uh, you know, there's devaluing targets, there's, uh, you know, the idea that maybe those people are, are sending a message or, or, or perhaps they're just there because that's what tactic was chosen. And I can't speak to policing efforts because I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a cop, but I, what I can tell you is that I think there are you know, ways of keeping people safe, whether it's obvious or not. And sometimes that relies on technology. Sometimes that relies on some of the, the new screening methods that are available. Uh, you know, there's ex venues experimenting right now with facial recognition and social media monitoring and open gate uh, metal detectors, as well as the traditional screening mechanisms where you walk through a, you know, metal detector and then have your bag searched. It, it just depends, you know, and I think it has to be appropriate to the profile of the event. If it's a community art festival or a strawberry festival on a Saturday morning, you know, it needs to have some level of, of security, but you know, it probably has to have a reasonable trade-off, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Cause it was, was it the, I think it was in El Paso where there was literally the strawberry fest shooting that they had down there where you're like, you know, what would you even do? It's a giant open space. Like, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the alternative is like, I guess an acceptable level of risk. And we all do that calculus every single day, right? Like uh, if you're a small business owner, for instance, maybe you don't have an alarm in your building because you know, you're like, ah, it's not going to work or it's a, it's a nuisance. Uh, you know, that works up, of course, to the Madison Square Gardens as well. Like, you know, this is great. This maybe would prevent one more incident possibly. So do we spend a billion dollars and like, you know, have drop down metal gates and secure everyone in here and robots uh, come from the sky and, you know, fight off the bad guy. Like, could you do that? Well, there, there's a lot of things, right? I mean, you know, you drive over those plates. If you've ever been on a military base, yes. you just kind of, you know, look at me and say, well, that's the young one this weekend. I got drill. <laughs> so you've got, you've got the hostile vehicle mitigation there. Yeah. But this week there was something in the news where it worked for a base. They triggered it within seconds. It deployed and it, you know, it, it, it probably mitigated uh, a lot of, a, a lot of risk, you know, and, and in a sense, I think there's a number of tools that are, are available, but you know, to clarify for you and, and I guess for our discussion for your audience, you know, my job is to be aware of security measures, but a lot of what I deal with is more, I'd say, holistic risk, you know, uh, occupational health and safety hazards and the use of the space and how are we building structures and, you know, what are some of the interconnected uh, aspects? How are we using the, the tools at our disposal and how are we using the, the people that are a part of that building that event? So I guess in that sense, um, 
thinking about your career and like stuff that you dealt with, like what are some like big lessons learned from like maybe incidents that you've gone through, like stuff that was like, oh man, I hadn't thought of that or, or just like aha moments in your career that maybe um, you could like shed some light on, like just stuff that like people maybe wouldn't experience, but could be really beneficial to just kind of think through. Well, I think first of all, when I look back on my career, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of great people. So don't under, undervalue the, you know, the network you have and, and keeping those relationships up. That's, that's a first uh, point. I think another thing is, you know, if you're an event producer, talk to your insurers or, you know, talk to your, your local stakeholders. They're going to have a lot of insight that you wouldn't maybe find it another way or come up with on your own. Uh, when you're saying insurers, like, cause you brought, actually brought that up a couple times. Um, I think that's a really like, though, is that, are those the folks who sort of are doing that calculus, you know, in some ways or like, how, how does that actually play into it? Cause I think that is really interesting. And that maybe is another resource that like emergency managers could reach out to. Like what type of insurer is sort of responsible for an event? Like, is, is there like a brand out there that they could like maybe reach out to, to have them talk to them or. Well, without giving any, you know, proper nouns. I mean, there are a number of organizations that do understand events and are happy to, uh, you know, take some of that risk on and work with you to develop uh, live entertainment. I, I would recommend the Event Safety Alliance uh, as a resource because, of course, they're not exactly an insurer. They're just a body of professionals sure. to share information. But, uh, you know, they have some people they they recommend within their their sponsorship. You know, I don't I don't necessarily represent insurers but i sure think they're a really important part of the conversation yeah it's i just it's one of those things that like even in the stuff that i've done like so we we had uh like our risk management folks which i think were sort of like representative of that perspective or whatever but uh, i think that's also a group uh that is kind of not thought of as part like bringing to them to the table for like um planning events and stuff like i think a lot of times those discussions maybe happen internally at the event planning but like when the when the um, time comes for the fire and police chiefs and, and you know, any special teams that are going to show up, you know, sometimes those folks aren't in the room. And it's like for an emergency manager, you may want to be like, hey, you know, is your risk manager uh, or, or someone from your organization's, you know, uh, insurance or risk management? Could they maybe show up to this event or? or talk through things because there's a handshake there that could be really valuable. I think particularly like from, uh, like you said, the OSHA safety stuff, probably from some of the physical safety uh, structures and things like that. But then also it's just a different perspective that maybe we're not getting um, in the general public safety meeting. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, whether it's a risk manager or somebody else who's a partner of your organization and this applies to even, but I, you know, non-event organizations. Yeah. You know, those folks have, have a tremendous amount of knowledge and are there ultimately as a resource to talk about, you know, whether it's occupational health and safety as you referenced, or um, they might have those relationships with the insurers. They might understand how many people have been, you know, hurt in the past and what's been logged or, or what the, uh, you know, your, your sort of rate of injury is within your organization. They're a tremendous resource and it really does it does behoove you to to get in the room with them if you're an emergency manager, uh, if you have a massive event and talk to those folks because they can help guide some of those conversations. And in theory, they also know who a lot of the players are and who on the day of will be responsible for making those decisions, you know, whether it's weather or postponement or emergency announcements, things like that. Yeah, there's uh, that's a really good point. So the the net, you know, the team of teams, the networks of net, you know, networks within networks. Um, when uh, we were doing our our training, um, we were really fortunate. We've had a lot of like time to sort of sit and work through some of this stuff with people who were either attending the training or people that we met throughout the training because we were holding it in their venue or something. And one of the things that um, uh, I think it was specifically through MLS because um, we had a couple folks from Major League Soccer at the training uh, in Orlando was that they're like, yeah, you know, like you, you sometimes the public safety people forget that when we're doing our calculus in the background, there's there's another command center that is actually like looking at the big picture and taking all the information that we're giving them 
they're looking at things that we're not even considering. They're looking down the the schedule over the next three months. If they cancel this game, you know, that screws up the whole season. And maybe these two teams don't have time to actually come back together, which means perhaps they don't enter the championship, you know, because they're not going to make playoffs or something else along those lines. Um, and that's why, like, when you're making these decisions, because, again, I think a lot of us uh, are much more comfortable, like you said, what's the safest thing you do? You shut it down, pack it up and go home. You know, I think from a public safety side, like it's much easier for us to sort of justify that. Um, but that's just also sort of like, it's not realistic when you're talking about some of these events. And, and if you don't understand everything that's going on, on the other side, not, that's not to say like, let's not make a safe decision because it might screw up the playoffs. But like, we may not also understand like what the capabilities are of the facility, of the personnel that are there. These, these discussions need to be had, they need to be maintained. Um, and I'm sure in your, your perspective, you've probably seen, you know, public safety folks are like, we can't do this. And you're like, let's talk it out. Cause I think we can, and we can do it safely and we can make it, there's a middle ground here that actually is probably better than one extreme or the other. So let's figure this out. So how do you sort of, I guess, maybe like have those, when is the time to have those conversations and how do you have them? Well, I think talking about what resources will be available and how it's being managed and how that structure looks, the, the time to have that conversation is ahead of the event. That's in the planning stages, you know, a couple of months out. Um, you know, once an event has happened in a, in a jurisdiction, maybe, you know, those authorities will have a little bit of a better understanding of how it works and who's involved and, and how much they might be able to manage. Um, yeah, and just to go back and correct myself, you know, the not packing it up and, and sending it home, but the, the, sa the objectively safest thing, I have to explain my own joke, which would be to not have an event, gather those people. But actually, yeah. sometimes there are cases where once it's underway, you know, depending on the, the hazard that's becoming present, you know, maybe just keeping everybody at the event is the, is the safest thing to do. They, those are really tough. That is a great point. All right. So I'm going to give a scenario here. So again, higher ed emergency manager, often involved in lots of events uh, daily. This is like, there, there's, there's three emergency managers that like, I think are the most, uh, these, these are the folks that I want in my EOC. An event emergency manager, a uh, campus emergency manager, and a healthcare emergency manager. These are folks that like, you own it from the minute it starts till resolution um, and everything in between. And so being a higher ed emergency manager, um, I was on campus and uh, we had a big basketball game. It was, I believe the playoffs. I don't think it was like the, the conference championship, but it was a big game. There was, there was a full house. Um, and uh, fortunately for those, like they're fairly easy. We had a small stadium, not a big deal. It's like uh, just a few thousand people. So not a huge, huge deal. Um, it's Vermont. Like our basketball program is pretty small. And as I'm leaving, get on the highway and, uh, you know, we always kind of track weather because we have a huge trans transportation system that we got to deal with. We were at the busiest intersection, the entire state of Vermont. That's where everybody has to travel back and forth between parking. There's buses and there's all like we have this huge thing that we have to build and do for every single basketball game. And I am noticing that the roads are a nightmare and not just bad. Like we're northerners, like we're used to driving. Uh, you know, I know you guys down in the south right now are learning how bad it can be. It sounds like Austin's got some pretty safe. Exactly. I grew up in Wisconsin. I know how to drive. This yeah. yeah. Well, you're probably driving around like, oh, my gosh, these people are going to, you know, all crash and kill each other. Uh, so like you don't know bad driving until you are on thick black ice and there is absolutely nothing that is going to be done to make this situation better in the short term. Like it's the scenario where you just don't want to drive. So as I'm here, I'm like, at first I'm like thinking my own safety. I'm like, this is really scary. Like I'm an experienced winter driver and this is as bad as I've driven in in years. And so I'm all of a sudden the whole highway comes to a stop and there's accidents everywhere. People are getting stuck on hills and you just can't move. And so I'm like, oh God, how does this affect the campus? Because now I'm stuck in the car just thinking and I'm like, uh-oh, basketball game. So I call the, uh, the police, uh, I call our dispatch to find out who's on, who's on scene. Give, them, give the, I think it was uh, one of our sergeants was sort of running our public safety you know, command post there. I give them a call and I was like, is the parking person right with you? Do you have the athletic director? And can you just get them all together right now? So he gathers them all up. And I'm like, it is really, really bad outside. I know the game's almost over. We've got to keep everyone here. Figure it out. And they're like, but people are going to want to go. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. They, they're not going anywhere. Like, we, we shouldn't even let them out the door. Like, it's probably not even safe to walk to their cars right now. 
And so they made an announcement and they figured it out really fast. And it was like one of those things that like we plan for how to get people out of the building really quickly. We had really planned for what do we do when we need them to stay there for a long time and there's nothing going on. And so they kind of just came up with uh, some announcements and some entertainment. They had music. You know, they kept, I think, the food open a little bit later than they normally would have. And thankfully, it's Vermont. We're all very nice people. So you said you're from the Midwest. You know, nice people. They're like, all right, well, that's fine. We don't want to cause any trouble. So we'll just hang out here. And after about, I think they had to stay there for almost an hour. Finally, they had managed to sort of like get enough salt and stuff. And I think the temperature raised enough that it like resolved itself. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, your your solution is like, oh, we just get everyone out of here. Uh, well, one of the things that I ask myself, and and not always, but you know, yeah. there has to be a measurement that the solution you're providing doesn't create a bigger risk or more risk uh, than than what you're trying to protect. That's a huge line right there. That's like the line of the show. Like we should probably foot stomp that. But it, it but it's relative, right? And you're yeah. talking to like talking about weather or traffic. It's a very dynamic situation. Uh, you know, so it's it's you know. Those are like the tabletop scenarios where it's like, well, I need more information, but, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is this. And event producers in the past have done things to where, you know, they'll put a DJ on uh, for a little bit longer or they'll use lighting or effects to draw people to another stage if, you know, if crowding is a concern. You know, there's all these different metrics and um, for what it's worth, I think it, it, it's important to realize that there's a lot of solutions on the table just ask, just discuss, but then be willing to make that decision and don't get stuck in paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Uh, oh man, there's like just so there's this conversation could go on forever. I'm like fascinated. And even like I, we had a list of things that we wanted to talk about, but I'm like, uh, like every single thing that you say, I'm like, oh, this is an aha moment. I want to go deeper into this. Um, maybe for the sake of time, because we're almost at an hour already. Uh, what are some things that maybe you're anticipating? So, you know, I hate the sort of like, let's look back on the last year and look forward to this year type of episodes, even though we did one. And it was actually, uh, it was all right. But I want to know sort of like, what are maybe some things now uh, looking forward that you're either like, could be technologies, it could be like, uh, you know, types of events or, or things that you're thinking about, you know, in the future, like what maybe top five things you can, you can think about. Oh, you're going to edit me out for sounding like a nerd. But you know what? <laughs> One of the things I'm excited about is uh, people are getting more excited about safety, especially when they understand that it's it's not just about somebody with a clipboard saying, well, this is the rule and, you know, you know, figure wag, don't do that. But actually it's, you know, it's about coming to the table and building those decision teams and really building that command group or that command team up front of the event and sharing opinions and ideas and experiences and the you know, having coffee with people that see a different side of things. So all of that information coming together uh, into guidance, like ANSI standards, there's yeah. a number of them that have come out recently that are giving really concrete but but valuable guidance on crowd management and weather decision-making and rigging and other as security, other aspects of events. Those are coming out this year, if not already. Uh, and that kind of stuff actually excites me. That's awesome. I'm actually, uh, I was not aware of the ANSI stuff. Uh, ANSI, for people who are listening who maybe don't know, that's a international uh, standards process. I can't remember the the actual, what it stands for. You could look it off the tender, like look at the number, and then uh, it will yeah. uh, then provide that standard. And they standardize everything. But um, I will try to find those, or, or Doug, if you happen to know them, I'll put that in the... Uh, yeah, well, we can link some of those. Yeah, and, and the, the other, um, the event oh my gosh i already forgot the uh, name of it the the alliance the event safety guide will link to teeks and and some of the other resources yeah um that's those what about technology is there stuff that like you're excited for that might uh sort of like in just build that safety envelope in a way that we don't have now well the the technology you know elephant in the room i think is a lot of these ai materials that are coming out you know there's there, there's are you guys using chat no, but here's one way it might really help you. If you're not a really good writer and you want to create a succinct script or, you know, some marketing material that could help there, um, you know, you don't want to put your emergency planning in the, in the hands of, uh, you know, an AI bot, but the idea of using it to help you generate material that reaches out to people on the advance of an event is, is an interesting use. Yeah, um, there's also a lot, of, a lot of visual stuff coming out now that 
will assist venues in the way they're they're run and the way they're managed. What about, um, because I think it's something that we are finally like paying our due, not, I mean, it's still nowhere near what it should be, but like thinking of safety in sort of the perspective of like uh, the uh, language issues, uh, folks who may have mobility concerns, um, just the sort of like the, um, you know, making events like equitable and, and sort of available to everyone. Okay, so here's one. So like we have events where sometimes we put messages, you know, if you need to alert an audience, you might use the voice of God, you might use the PA, you might have an announcer or a host or an MC make an announcement. You might, you might use mobile notifications. Uh, you know, you, you might put it up in the video screen. You know, but what if, for, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the cuff, but what if, for example, you know, you had that, maybe it's in the primary couple languages, but then there's, you know, a QR code and it translates it to your phone or for you if you're, maybe you don't speak the language as well. Um, you know, I, I went, this is a great safety story. I went to Italy and my wife and I took a cruise and we went to a safety brief and the muster stations and all this. And the entire thing was in Italian and I don't speak Italian. So, you know. It was kind of like a, you know, a, a learning mechanism for me. Yeah. Like, well, okay, so this is critical information that I'm, I'm not getting. How are we going to fix this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, example. Like just something very simple. Because uh, I would think that if the ship is sinking, uh, having that information in some sort of translation or uh, visual description. Uh, I know like, so um, in mass notification, this is like, we're, we're just sort of, figuring it out but like most of the new systems now have some built-in translation or like people are basically going in manipulating it so that you can uh whoever you know whatever language people are are using identifying as their primary that they can do it and then even like sometimes i think like you know you can go you could spend all day and translate it a million different ways but like a lot of folks can speak english it's not necessarily that they don't have the ability it's just like there's english english and then there's like american english and there's you know, how you word stuff, you know, the there, there, there's, you know, like that for a foreign speaker, like those are three different words and they sound the exact same. So like being very conscientious of even just like how you frame it in English can, can be a huge help. Um, but certainly like, uh, you know, I've noticed a lot of concerts now have, um, you know, uh, different ways that they're displaying it for people who, you know, are hard of hearing or, or blind, like navigating, uh, their ways through wayfinding through crowds just in general, you know, uh, is difficult if you have, um, you know, some sort of hearing or, or visual uh, challenges, you know, that means in an emergency, you know, if there's not some way to sort of like calculate and think about those people or mobility issues, they're left in the middle of where was a crowd. And now you've got to figure out how to like keep them safe. And, and hopefully, I mean, I'm sure you are like, what do we do in that situation? And we've talked about it uh, with graduation because we know we had a bunch of people, you know, we get 20,000 people on campus and we're like, our, one of the exercises that we did during my last event was, you know, I, I would do a tabletop from a lesson learned the previous year. That would be like, whatever went really, really badly, we're going to tabletop that this year. So months ahead, we can start to test it and then we'll have it built into the plan. And we we're like, cool, we'll evacuate everything. But we're like, you know, there's a lot of uh, older folks that attend those graduations. And if we tell everyone just, you need to leave right now because of, you know, bomb threat, gunshots, uh, severe weather they may not be able to actually get to that spot. So how do we get them there and how do we do it safe? You know, is there ways to put them in spots where they're closer? And, you know, all these things that we unfortunately had thought of, but maybe not as in depth as we should have over, you know, a long period of time. Um, I think that that's an exciting area where, you know, those AI, you know, could potentially, you type it in in one spot and it translates it into everything, not only English to blah, 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 but like, English into a dialect spoken in a way that they would understand it because that translation is thoughtful and, and clear. And like you said, the visual aspect. Well, those are the people that are responsible for crowd management with events have to think about the profile of the people who are attending, right? They have to think about what their expectation is. Jimmy you know, Buffett concert versus Metallica concert. Exactly. And, and what the venue's like and how long is the day? Is alcohol involved? Oh my gosh, I could go all day on that. But so, so that's the first aspect that you're really thinking about that and you're thinking about those accessibility aspects as well that needs to be part of your crowd management planning yeah because you as a as an event uh host like you want uh everybody to go there and have the same you know or as close to the same experience as you can and being thoughtful like and it's the same way with the emergency planning like you know that's great if you if you create this like really fun accessible event but then when it all goes south you, you haven't thought the 
inverse of that of like, how do you sort of undo that and get people out of there safely, then uh, you kind of failed. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of excitement. The physical security stuff, I really like security by design and sort of these like really yep. interesting ideas of like hiding it. Uh, because, uh, you know, again, my kids, I've got little kids and, you know, just things that are happening in schools right now, like, you know, as they become more sort of fortified in the, in the, their drills are just like scaring the crap out of them. And it's just like, I, you don't want life to be traumatic all the time. Like we have to figure out how to sort of like, you know, find that balance. And we we're I know it's like the pendulum swing in both ways right now to try to find that. But, um, I think events are that one spot where we want to go and not necessarily have to feel that weight. Um, and then, well, you know, there's a lot of you guys to sort of do that in a way that we are safe, but like also allows us to, to be fully invested. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, you brought up, you know, your kids going to school and absolutely, uh, you know, that, that spectrum of conversation right now, but hardening versus other measures, uh, you know, so it's a really wide ranging discussion. And I think it's, it's, it's a problem America needs to solve. Um, it's, it's really, my wife and I are about to have our, our first child and I, you know, the, the idea that they'll be going to school that, thank you, but they'll be going to school in that environment is something that, you know, I've always paid attention, but now even more so. I, I but think, it, oops, sorry, think about, okay, oh, I'm sorry. It's that lag. I apologize. <laughs> what I was going to say was I, uh, and I didn't mean to cut you off is I think I'm going to have you back on so we can maybe talk. It's like, I think, uh. I'm doing what a lot of people do. I'm sort of like leaning into like the response and everything afterwards. I think uh, I've skipped over a lot of like the before because, uh, you know, the best way to keep an event safe is to prevent anything from happening in the right place. And like, I, I don't think we talked enough about or, that. Or mitigate well. So we can make a lot of discussions and preparedness and stuff. Because um, I'm also interested, like sort of like... Uh, here, here's some teasers for future episodes. Like, I really want to know about like how like training event staff, like maybe what's your role in sort of like uh, getting folks folks spun up on like some basic stuff. Like, is are people AED trained, CPR trained? I know we had our our security people could come from our entire region. They maybe have never been in that building before, and they're getting you know bust up by the security company because they need tons of hands. But I don't know what their qualifications are. So maybe qualifications that. Um, the newer technologies like you're talking about, new sort of like monitoring facial recognition. I know Israel, uh, like the Israeli security apparatus is like, you know, sort of the, uh, I guess the, on the tip of the spear as far as like sort of technology and techniques. Um, I know we've, we sent police officers to Israel to like get trained in, in their techniques and stuff. Um, you know, what other sort of international, cause you know, uh, Europe, I know, has like a whole different process of sort of their planning and stuff for events. And, and they may have things that we want to learn. It's like just understanding, like, what are things that are maybe coming down the pike with that? Um, and then just, uh, I guess, you know, uh, we should have you back on, maybe tell some war stories, too. We didn't really do much on war stories, but there's just like, it's this is like a world. And I know I sort of talked in circles throughout this. I'm just like so excited about this stuff because I think it's really fun and interesting. And it's like something that, you know, maybe, not all people uh, sort of get what we do as emergency managers, but almost everyone has sort of been to some type of event where, you know, they're thinking about this. So it's... it's well, and when they go to the event, hopefully, or their children or their cousin, hopefully they, not only safe, they feel safe, but they know that somebody is looking out for that. You know, I know that in your past, you were a, a comedian and you brought joy into people's lives and they suspended their you know, their day to day to, to come and experience that and enjoy it. Uh, you know, that's so important to the, the cultural aspect of our society. That's why people come to events and protecting that and keeping that sacred is really important to me. It's, it's really looking after the well-being of our industry and the well-being of the, the, the attendee. That's it. That's the mic drop moment. Doug, I really, really appreciate for having us. It has been fascinating. Uh, we've talked for an hour. Uh, I could go on for like three more hours. Um, I just thank you again. Um, everyone who's listening, if you, uh, like this episode, make sure, uh, comment below. I'm definitely having Doug back on. So if you have questions, if you have thoughts, uh, let us know, comment below, cause there's going to be YouTube at some point here.
Uh, subscribe, hit the bell for alerts. I'm trying to do all the stuff that my kids influencer folks say. <laughs> like, like and describe. Yeah, follow my channel. Hit that, like, smash that like button. Uh, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're leaving reviews. Uh, that helps uh, this, the podcast and and YouTube, uh, actually the, the little like, you know, algorithms out there get this out to more people. Because I think this is a really important conversation for emergency managers. I hope you learned, like, please talk to your event safety folks. Um, try to connect with them ahead of the event. Um, but if if nothing else, like if you've got a big thing going on, just like reach out. I imagine all the Doug Bruce's of the world want to hear from you. So so get out there. Well, or the production manager. Yeah. But awesome. Thanks, Doug, again. And uh, everyone have a wonderful time uh, listening to this because there's just so much to learn. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Appreciate you.